Welcome back to our study of eschatology. This is eschatology session number seven, and we are talking this time about the final judgment or the last judgment. We've skipped over the millennium for now. We'll come back to that. We're focusing for now on the main elements, the central elements of the last things, the things that all Christians agree on. How the millennium works is a significant area of disagreement, and so we're going to talk about that separately and in a little more detail down the road. Today, we're focusing on the final judgment, which will come uh, and take place after the resurrection of the dead, which follows the return of Christ. So we're looking at the final judgment, the last judgment, and here's what the Bible says about the last judgment. There's several things. We're going to start with this one. Number one is Jesus will be the judge at the last judgment. Jesus himself said this in John chapter 5, verse 22. He said, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And then a few verses later, in verse 27, Jesus said, And he has given him, that is, the Father has given the Son, has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. So the Father has given the authority to judge to the Son. In Acts 10, 42, and Peter is preaching at Cornelius' house. He said, he has, uh, excuse me, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. In other words, one of the things Jesus told his disciples, his apostles, to say is that he is the one who has been appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. 2 Timothy 4.1, Paul says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And then in Romans 2.16, we're told uh, about the final judgment, and it says, On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So when we say that Jesus is going to be the judge on the last day and that the Father has handed the authority to judge over to the Son, that does not mean that the Father is going to be absent on the day of judgment or that he's indifferent to it or uninvolved. But God is going to judge by his Son or through his Son Christ Jesus. All right, this is so significant and so central and so universal that it even appears in the Apostles' Creed, which is the oldest of the Christian creeds. And it says that Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. That language, of course, is borrowed from Scripture, right, as we've just heard. But that's a, a central and essential tenet of the Christian faith that Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead, by which we mean everybody. All right, so that leads us to our second point. Number two, the final judgment will be universal. It will apply to everyone. No one will be accepted, right? There will be no exceptions. Uh, all are going to stand before the judgment seat, Romans 14, 10 to 12. Paul says, why do you pass judgment on your brother? 
Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, Paul says, each of us will give an account of himself to God. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, from those two, you might say, well, those are both in Christian context. He's addressing believers. Maybe that doesn't mean that everybody's going to stand before the Lord. Maybe those mean that um, all Christians are going to stand before the Lord. That's a possible uh, interpretation. It's a little bit difficult to be clear on that, uh, that first one in Romans 14, though it does sound universal even there. 2 Corinthians uh, 5, he does have believers in particular in mind. But in Revelation 20, it's very clear that all unbelievers are included in the final judgment as well. Revelation 20, 12, and 13. We talked about this last time. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. So no exceptions here, no one left out, great and small, kings, and the least of these, and everybody in between. No one gets left out from the final judgment. Everyone will have to stand before the Lord and give an account to Him. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. That's just the way that it works. If you live, you will die, unless Jesus comes back first, and then you will be judged. Right, Acts 17, 30 and 31 says that now God commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world, everybody, in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So that brings together the two things we've seen so far. One, God's going to judge everybody. God's going to judge the world, Paul says. And how is he going to judge the world? He's going to judge the world by a man whom he has appointed. Who's that? Well, he says, of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. He's going to judge the whole world by the man he has raised from the dead. That's Christ Jesus. So Jesus will be the judge. Everyone will stand before uh, the Lord on the, on the last day. Everyone will give an account to him. Everyone will um, face the judgment of the Lord. And number three, the final judgment will be comprehensive. It will take into account all information. This is one of the things that sets apart God's judgment from man's judgment. God's judgment, of course, is perfect. Man's judgment is imperfect. And one of the reasons for that is because God knows everything. He has all the information. The best judges right, do the best that they can with the information that they have, but no human being has all the information. God has all the information, and that's part of why we know that his judgment will be just. So God's judgment will be comprehensive. Here's what the Bible says about that. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. Jesus says, I tell you, 
On the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. And there's a statement that'll give us pause, right? We'll give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So even our very words will be taken into account on the last day at the judgment. Romans 12, 16 speaks of that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Things that you may have kept hidden your entire life that are secrets to everybody else that only you know, God will judge those secrets because he knows them. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So things that may remain hidden our entire lifetime, God will bring them to light. They're not hidden from him. God will even disclose the purposes of the hearts, the, the hidden motives behind the things that we do that people don't always see or know. Those things God knows and will take into account. If we go back to that passage in Revelation 20, verse 12, it says that um, books were opened. Those books evidently are records of men and women's deeds. God will take into account right, the things that we have done. The dead were judged, Revelation says, by what was written in the books according to what they had done. So again, it's a reckoning based on, or a reckoning that takes into account the things that we have done. Number four, the final judgment will be just. As we just said, one of the reasons we know the final judgment will be just is because God knows all the information and is able to take into account all the information. But it's worth stating on its own that the final judgment will be just. God's judgment will be just. Uh, Romans 2.5 says, Because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. God's judgment will be righteous. It will be just. Romans 12.2 says, all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. In, order, in other words, the standard by which we will be judged will also be just. No one will be held accountable to a standard they did not have. All right, listen to that again. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. They're not going to be judged by the law because they didn't have the law. They're still going to perish because they've still sinned. Right? Romans 1.20 says that no one has an excuse for rejecting God, for failing to worship God and give thanks to God. So there's no excuse for our, our sin. No one who uh, has not believed the gospel is going to be saved. Right? But no one's going to be judged for failing to do things they didn't know they were supposed to do. Those who are, uh, for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So the standard you did have, if you did have the law, you'll be judged by that. So God's judgment will be just. The standard will be just. All right? Jesus, who is the judge, is himself 
just. 2 Timothy 4.8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, that's Jesus, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. So Jesus himself is righteous, and therefore his judgment will be righteous or just. Uh, fifth statement. Now this one is um, maybe not as universally uh, agreed upon, maybe because it's not universally understood, but it's pretty clear from the Bible. Maybe it's more universally believed than I suspect, but the Bible also teaches that the final judgment will be according to works. The final judgment will be according to works. This, is, this, is, this does not contradict the truth that salvation is by grace, Right? And that all Christians will have to give an account before the Lord. Right? It's true. Both of those things are true. Right? And it's true that we will be judged according to our works. Romans 2.6 says, He will render to each one according to his works. Back in Matthew 12, when Jesus was talking about giving an account for every word we speak, he said, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What does he mean by that? Is, is Jesus teaching salvation by works? Obviously not. Is he simply being hypothetical, that some people might be justified by their words, if that were possible? No. What Jesus is saying is, our words give evidence of what's in our hearts. Right? Our words give evidence of whether we believe or whether we don't believe. Right? Whether we've been uh, changed and saved by the grace of God or whether we haven't. And so we'll be justified by our words or we'll be condemned by our words. Our words will demonstrate, in other words, whether we are justified or whether we are worthy of condemnation because we haven't been justified. Um, Matthew 16, 27, Jesus says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Paul said the same thing back in 2 Corinthians 5, when we looked at that passage, verse 10. We must all, as talking about Christians, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. That's true of Christians too. Uh, Revelation 20, 12 and 13, we talked about that already this time and last time. If that includes believers, as I think that it does, then uh, that means that believers too are going to be judged according to what they have done, as verse 13 of Revelation 20 says. Right? Judged according to what was in the books. Alright, um, and uh, Revelation twenty two twelve. Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. That's just too many verses to ignore. It's very clear that the judgment is going to take place in accordance with our works. Now, one of the ways that this is, this is not original to me, one of the ways that you can um, help explain how this doesn't contradict the good news of salvation by grace through faith is that saying the final judgment will be according to works is not the same as saying it will be on the basis of works. Right? We are saved on the basis of Christ's work. 
We are saved by the grace of God, by faith in Christ, on the basis of what Christ has done in living a perfect life, dying on the cross, being raised from the dead. Right? We are saved on the basis of His work. But when we are saved, we are changed. We become new creations. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. We are made new. And we are in the process of becoming more and more like Christ. That, we, that process we call sanctification. And if we're in that process, if we've been saved, then our lives will be different. We will do good works. We won't live perfect lives. We still sin. The Bible's clear about that too. But our lives will be different and there will be evidence, there will be fruit showing that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, fruit showing that we are connected to Christ, the true vine. Right? There will be good works showing that we have been saved by the grace of God. Remember Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that we've been saved by grace through faith and this is not our own doing and, and so on. And then it says, for we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. So if we're, we're saved by grace so that we can do good works. So when we say that the judgment is according to works, what we mean is that our works, our deeds, and even our words, as Jesus said, will be the evidence that we have been saved. So when we are giving an account before the Lord and we are judged according to our works, we're not being judged on the basis of our works because if that was true, we would all be condemned. But we are going to be judged in accordance with our works, meaning that we will have works, we will have deeds that demonstrate either that we belong to Jesus and have been saved by grace through faith, or that we don't. And so those two things go together. Salvation by grace through faith and judgment according to works do not contradict each other. It is a misunderstanding of salvation by grace through faith to think, to think that our works never matter. That's not true. We are not saved by our works. Our works do not matter for our salvation in the sense that they cannot secure our salvation and they are not an insurmountable surmountable obstacle to our salvation, right? We're not saved by our works and our bad deeds can't keep Jesus from saving us. Those things are true, but it is not true then that our works don't matter at all. They do matter. We will be judged according to our works. Our works are the evidence of our faith. Our works aren't the ground of our assurance, as others have pointed out, that's not new to me either, right? The work, our works are not our grounds of assurance, but they are the evidence of our faith, right? Um, now, let's, it's important to follow that up with the uh, final point. Believers have no need to fear final condemnation. You do not need to fear the judgment of God because Romans 8.1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ, you will not be condemned, cannot be condemned, shall not be condemned. You will be saved because you have been saved. But that does not mean that it doesn't matter how you live from here on out. It does matter. First um, Peter 1.17 says, If you call on Him as Father, 
who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Peter said that to believers. If you believe in the God who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, that's going to affect the way that you live. You're going to seek to live a holy, God-honoring life. Not because you're afraid you're going to be condemned, but because you want to honor the one who has saved you by grace. Amen.